Hello, everyone. It's good to be with you again. Chad Hubbard, one of the elders here at Southridge Church, as well as one of the um, small group leaders within transit, for those of you who may have uh, some young adults in that environment, uh, for which I've been having the pleasure to uh, serve in. This week, we're going to kick off a new series called It's Fine. The big idea being about emotional health being the beginning of recognizing what you're feeling and then knowing what to do with that feeling, ultimately surrendering yourself to your Heavenly Father. So we're diving back into emotions. We're picking back up where Jeff left off with winning with our emotions. We'll be looking at emotions as a whole. See, we should pay as much attention to our emotional hygiene as we do our physical hygiene. When we say it's fine, or I'm good, or for my veterans in the room and online, we're good to go. Usually we're not fine. We're not good. We're not good to go. We use it as a way to get people to leave us alone when we're upset, or to avoid having to address a particular issue. We spend loads of time, energy, and money on personal hygiene. It's a big dollar industry. Look at what we use for personal hygiene. This is just a sampling of what some of us may collect, search for, and spend on that physical or personal hygiene. And this, y'all, is just products for my beard and the tools that go with it. But you see, maybe that's being misplaced on the amount of effort and time and money that we put on that. You see, life expectancy grew sharply when people increased the time, energy, and money they were spending on personal hygiene. And as the rate of disease decreased, the enjoyment of life increased dramatically. See, we know what's at stake with physical hygiene, but what's at stake with our mental health? And what is hygiene? Hygiene means the practices that keep you healthy. So what is emotional hygiene? In much the same way that dental hygiene involves brushing our teeth and flossing every day, or at least we're supposed to, that personal hygiene involves cleaning ourselves and taking care of physical injuries when we sustain them. Emotional hygiene being reference to being mindful of our psychological wounds when we sustain them. What could change in our lives if we spent as much time on our emotional hygiene as we do with our physical hygiene? See, currently our general neglect of our emotional hygiene is profound. How is it that we spend more time each day taking care of our teeth than our minds? We brush, we floss, but what daily activity do we do to maintain our psychological health? 
There's an argument to be made that the consequences of lacking emotional hygiene are much worse than lacking dental hygiene. In the end, would you rather lose a tooth or lose your mind? See, the later we choose to deal with stuff, the greater the consequences of it. Not brushing your teeth or flossing on a daily basis eventually leads to a very painful dentist visit. Not forgiving someone who hurts you leads to being eaten alive by bitterness. You see, later problems become greater problems. Not budgeting can lead to debt. Not being honest can lead to empty relationships or relationships that end because of that lack of honesty. Now, it's possible that you have a desire to change and grow. People who don't are a mystery to most of us because who wouldn't want to change or be changed? We all must have a desire to change and grow, which is the big reason why you're listening to God's Word being taught right now. Have you ever seen the bumper sticker that said, there are only two things I don't like, change and the way things are? We all have the right to feel that way, but it's not going to help you to stay that way. There are times we talk ourselves out of emotional hygiene. We might say things like, it's fine, it's no big deal, or it's not my fault. But what does God say? Aren't you curious? See, it's easier to do just one of two things, pretend or place blame. Jesus taught about this in his famous Sermon on the Mount. He said, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, Jesus is spot on, for it's so much easier to work on other people than to work on ourselves. It leaves us with receiving or earning no respect. It's not respectful or respectable move to try to fix someone else when we're in denial about something much more deadlier to us and to those around us. It would be like an adulterer getting on a friend who's driving five miles per hour over the speed limit. Perhaps some of us are just in denial. Do you know where you are emotionally? You know, when I was beginning my Marine Corps career, I started at Officer Canada School just up the road in Quantico, Virginia, and then onward to the basic school, or TBS, which is a six-month uh, intensive infantry-based uh, course. We had to be trained in land navigation, both lay, day land nav and, and night land nav. And for 
order to do that, we were given certain tools, being a map and a compass. Now, today we have GPS to help us find our way anywhere in the United States or even the, the world for that matter. But we were taught that technology could always fail, and so we were still trained on the basics. But a key component, despite those tools, was knowing where you were, your starting point. So you see, you can't get to where you want to be until you know exactly where you are. And thankfully, God has used people who haven't had it all together, including King David, who understood that he was a flawed man, husband, father, and king. This is believed to have made David Israel's greatest king, for he's a deeply flawed man who recognized that his only hope for humility or healing was a relationship with God. And notice the few things he explains that show our need for emotional hygiene. Tremble and do not sin when you are in your beds. Search your hearts and be silent. See, back in that time, one of the quietest moments for people was during that period of getting sleep. But now, in today's busy world, with all the stresses and fast pace of life, how many of us wake up in the middle of the night and we can't get back to sleep? Because there's something weighing on our hearts and our minds. It may just be that perfect time to invite God to help, because it's usually the quietest time for us, even if we don't get those recommended minimum 10 hours of sleep. In Psalm 139, verse 23 through 24, it states, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Imagine trying to say that prayer on I-95 in rush hour traffic. Or the moment you go off on your spouse or child because of something else weighing on your mind. Pay attention to your emotional pain. You see, pain gets our attention. It allows us to see our failings for what they really are and the danger they pose to us and to our souls. Self-reflection is the skill of taking yourself apart each and every day. It's the difference between self-care and self-centeredness. You see, we can't help take care of others until we're caring well for ourselves. Emotional hygiene requires silence and solitude. Think about it this way. It takes roughly 15 minutes of boredom for our kids before they get creative. So it's probably going to take you just a few minutes of solitude and silence to get you thinking about what's really there, what's really going on. You see, David is an example to us. He's showing emotional hygiene by leveraging the silence to hear from God. 
what he does is measures what he's feeling against God's will and God's word. He's praying, God, if it's offensive to you, it's not healthy for me. Arrogant people don't ask questions. Just ask them. They know it all. They can't learn anything, for they know everything. However, humble people do ask questions. They know they don't have everything or know everything there is to know. So recognize your wide range of emotions. It's interesting, as we read in the Psalms of David, that his range of emotions are very wide. This is very important for men. And when I say men, I'm speaking to all of you. Single, husbands, fathers, coaches. For most of us, especially those of us who grew up in the 70s and 80s, expressing your feelings was not manly. We were taught that real men don't cry. Or we were told, stop acting like a girl. I was blessed to have a father that told me it takes a real man to express his emotions, to share his emotions, not to keep them all bottled up inside. Have you seen a wheel of emotion words? I never had, but I've learned that there's over a hundred of them. A hundred emotional words, and that's a lot, and can be very messy when not under control. See, half the wheel shows how we feel when our needs are being met. The other half of the wheel shows how we feel when our needs are not being met. But here's what we know to be true. When adults lack an emotional vocabulary, they also lack the skills to regulate themselves in moments of elevated emotion. So, determine what you will do with your emotion. David was willing to surrender that emotion to God and to lead in a way that leads to life, which reflects the nature of God. God's will leads to life, abundant life. So we need to recognize what we're feeling and then know what to do with that feeling. And if we don't know what to do with our emotions, then our emotions will control us. And oftentimes it will lead to us saying or doing things that we can't take back. So if God created us in his image, and he did, we need to first go to him with how we're feeling. He knows what we need to do so that our emotions don't wreak havoc in our lives and for those around us. And it all starts with humility. But he, God, gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves, then, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, like we learned in Winning with Emotions, Jesus is our high priest who intercedes on our behalf. This is a great reminder that when we come to him asking for help with those emotions that we may not understand, 
it doesn't lead us down a destructive road used by the devil. God provides us more grace. God provides us with a favor that we don't work for, deserve, or can earn. He simply desires us to live a different kind of life with him leading us. Sometimes we're not content with an aspect of ourselves, or sometimes many aspects of ourselves, and we want to change. But, as is human nature, we don't like change. We don't like that process of change. So we stick with the status quo because it feels easier. It's more safe. But laziness can be a form of pride. After being kicked out of heaven because of pride, the devil weaponizes our resistance to change, our stubbornness, our pride, and our arrogance. When resisting the devil, we are only effective if we are humble and submitted to God's design, plan, and will. So I hope this message resonated with you today. And I'll be back in a couple weeks to close out this series. But I'd like to take something beyond the message for you to think about as you head into your next week. But I hope it doesn't end with your week. I hope you apply this in your life and share it with others. So our beyond the message question is, why is going through the process of taking the plank out of your own eye so essential to equipping you to help others remove the speck from theirs. Think on that. Talk about it. And apply it. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your teaching. Let us take your lesson and apply it to our lives. Let us not only focus on our physical hygiene, but acknowledge that we must also focus on our emotional hygiene. Let us not delay in this quest for later problems, as we learned, become greater problems. And let us remember we can't get to where we want to be unless we know exactly where we are. So let us seek out those quiet moments to seek what is troubling us, our hearts and our minds and our soul, and let us seek you to help guide us through that. Let us reach out to you and submit ourselves to you to help guide us through those emotional challenges that we may have. And let us be open to share with others for you did not design us to do life alone. And that there is strength in asking for help. We lift all this up in your son Jesus' name. Amen.